Alternate Realities has been gone for over five years, but our community lasts forever. And now, in these dark times, the AR signal lights up the night sky, and the old gang is ready to answer the call as we celebrate a year's worth of holidays together. This is The Longer Halloween. Welcome to The Longer Halloween, a My Comic Shop History Tale. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is part four, New Year's. And for this installment, I am joined by former Alternate Realities customer, Nofil Hussein. Hey, how are you? Glad to be here. It's an honor to be on the New Year's show. Yes. You know what? We have a lot of ground to cover, but let me just say this. Are you... Are you in? Are you one for New Year's resolutions? Do you make New Year's resolutions? Do you kind of buy into that, or, or not so much? I try. I mean, it's a new start of the year. We should all try to. I don't, I don't want to say repent, right? But you know, try to come up with some sort of you know resolution, as you said. I try to follow that absolutely. Yeah. Are there any that that uh, that you would you would share with our audience? If it's personal, you don't want to. You don't have to. But I'm just curious. Uh, no, I mean, I just be. I guess don't procrastinate. You know, like the. What everyone usually has, you know. Like, don't be a flat you know, squirrel, basically? Yeah, exactly. Don't be a flat squirrel. Just be committed. Just If you got to do something, just do it. You know, things like that. But procrastination is probably the one I would say. Let's not, you know, be committed to that. Do not procrastinate. Yeah. How about yourself? I, uh, you know, honestly, for the most part, I really don't subscribe to making New Year's resolutions. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh. I, I don't begrudge anyone who does, you know, and if that right. works for you right on, I guess I've always felt, I guess I do really try to live that, you know, don't be a flat squirrel motto. Right. Like I really try to put that into practice. So like when there's stuff that I want to accomplish or, or I want to work on, you know, within myself, like I really try to just, you know, not, not wait necessarily, you know, for right. the new year. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, certainly this year and in years past, I really can't think of many instances where I had a very specific you know, okay. New Year's resolution where I was like, January one, this happens. Fair you know. Enough. Now, do you have any? Do you have any uh, like New Year's traditions or anything that you that you typically follow? No. Well, the funny thing is, uh, I have to work on New Year's Day, so the struggle is real, right? Because uh, I work in finance, so we do a very hard year-end close. Um, before my wife and I got married, uh, she had this tradition where she would go to Montauk and watch the sunrise. So basically they would drive at like 2 a.m. on New Year's Eve and then, you know, watch the sunrise and, you know, that's great, but I've never been able to do that because I have to be in the office at like, it's later, like 10 a.m., but still. So we'll see, maybe, actually, because this year I think New Year's is on a Friday or something, right? Or Saturday or something like that. So I might be able to get away with it, but we'll see. I'm old, man. I, I I just can't. I can't do that. You remember sleep? Sleep is a beautiful thing. Yeah, as a oh wait, you're, uh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, as the father of a year and a half, uh, <laughs> a year old uh, kid. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I, you know, we've 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 struck a nice balance, I think, and right. we're in a good routine. And those like really sleep deprived nights where we were like zombies, that was really just in the very beginning, That's thankfully. So for the most part, again, there have been a few sleep regressions where, you know, it's, it's been right. a little dicey, but for the most part, uh, he's, he's, uh, you know, we really can't complain. So I, I can't, yeah, I can't awesome. say I'm so sleep deprived, although, and again, going back to, again, it's not a resolution, but, uh, you know, I tend to stay up like really late, like too, too late, like, wait, like historically I've always been a little bit of a night owl, but, uh, especially 
I guess during the pandemic where, you know, I'm working from home. So like my schedule, my work schedule is more flexible. Like I do have to be up, you know, for, for Milo, right. but like, it's not like, okay, I have to get up so that I can get to the office. And so that I, I you know, but you know, I'm up to like two, three in the morning. It's way too late. Wow. I thought maybe you said midnight. I'm like, okay, that's no. Cool. <laughs> wow. So that's okay. something, yeah, not a new year's resolution, but that's something that, you know, we would try to work on a little bit. Okay. Well, I, I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, uh, you know, we're recording this before New Year's, but this will drop, uh, I believe it's January 6th. So by the time people are yeah. hearing this, uh, the, the holiday will have passed. We hope everyone had a good one. Uh, right. As far as traditions, the only real one that I followed for most of my life now is watching The Honeymooners. Oh, uh, the classic. That's it. Uh, well, not okay. WB anymore, but uh, but yeah. Oh, so I don't have cable. I'm the newest, the, the new generation where we don't have the cable. I, oh, did Disney you cut the? Oh, so you're just all streaming services. I'm all streaming, man. Because uh, when I was back, when I was living with my parents, um, basically I would be paying the Dish bill. I we use Dish because we get the international channels. It was like two hundred dollars a month, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I am not doing this. So when I moved out into my own apartment, you know, once I got married, we were just basically. Amazon, Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, by the way, is phenomenal. They're really stepping up their game. So we're set, you know? Yeah. I, you know, to be honest, like that was because we moved uh, over the summer and there we had, there was a little moment where we seriously contemplated not having cable mm -hmm. and just relying on the streaming services. And we right. didn't pull the trigger on that, at least not yet. Okay. But it's the sort of thing that, you know, typically, so like we have, optimum by Altice and you know typically with any of these providers you know you it's mm -hmm. like usually a two-year sign up initially and you get a pretty right. good deal and then after that two-year mark they really hit you yeah oh yeah so you know I don't know it might be the sort of thing like when that time comes maybe we might make a switch then you know in, in a couple of right. years depending on on how things uh mm. you know pan out over over you know the next couple of years okay. so we'll see um, so what have you been watching that is on cable I mean, to be honest, and this is the funny thing, it's like most of the stuff that we're watching is on the, is on the apps. Although that's in part, <laughs> I think, because, you know, with the pandemic, right, like so many shows are not back. But I mean, like we watch This Is Us on NBC and okay. when the CW shows come back, you know, like um, uh, Supergirl and Riverdale and like that stuff, we'll, you know, we'll watch that. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, okay. no, for sure. Like the a lot of this, most of the stuff we're watching is on the apps. Oh, nice. Man, Riverdale. I tried watching that. And you know my my love of Archie comics, right? You know the whole story. I learned to read English because of it in Pakistan, and it has a fond place. And then I saw that scene with Archie and Miss Sweatherby, and I was like, no, no, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Oh, Miss Grundy in the very Grundy, beginning. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. Ah, yes, where Archie's banging his teacher. They like right off the bat, they wanted you to know this was a very different Archie. You know, yeah. and I felt like that went a long way toward that. That's true. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That just shocked me. See, I even forgot her name. I was just like, oh my God. Because I remember they got married, a Grundy and what's her face? What's his face? But yeah, I saw that. I'm like, this is not my childhood. I know this is, you know, the whole reinventing thing. I don't want to be the gatekeeper, but no, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I hope it's a good show and I hope you're enjoying it. What season is it on now? It is going into its fifth season and uh, wow. it's, uh, it's entertaining. It's entertaining. Okay. It's it's that's really fine. never boring. Uh, I'll give it that. Mm. Uh, so I actually, that's one of the things I actually wanted to circle back to your uh, 
your learning to read, you know, through Archie and all of that, because uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I I was aware of that, but you know, I don't know that we've ever like full on discussed it. So I did want to circle back right. to that, but first, you know, you and I, and we we were saying this briefly before we started recording, but I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw you. Uh, it must be at least I want to say two and a half, maybe two and a half years. I try to go for the, you know, it's amazing that you try to set up the year end dinners and stuff, but things always happen. You know, it's like yeah, life happens, you know, everyone gets married and we have different responsibilities and it's great that, you know, you always set that up. I appreciate it. So I don't want you to think I'm flaking on you or anything like that because it really is a really wonderful effort that you put through, but you know, I'm hoping we can meet sometime soon. Um, Pending, I have no, there's no issues or anything. It really is amazing. It's so coincidental. Like you would send these messages, hey, we're having dinner. I'm like, I'm going to Orlando to visit my in-laws or we're doing this. And I'm like, oh, I had something planned. So I swear to God, I'm not bailing on you, <laughs> but it just worked out. And I'm actually, I would love to just see the gang again because it's just been so darn long. Um, you know, occasionally I might see, I mean, I, I'll talk to Steve on text, Steve Odo, our legendary SCO. Uh, we'll talk about stocks and we'll talk about things like that. Um, occasionally, he might buy a book for me through his uh, account. So I might go see him. It's actually a very funny story. Uh, if you want me to share, I Please. share it. So uh, I was supposed to pick up um, those artist editions. Those are so addictive, by the way. Once you pick one up, there's no space to put them. Um, so he gave me a good deal. I decided to buy one. Um, and I said, yeah, I'm co- I'll come by on Saturday. And I gave him my time. And I got there in front of his door on the dot, I think I said 10.30. He looked at me and he goes, you're the reason that I have faith in humanity again. I was like, what just happened, what? He's like, I had two people flake out on me today. And I was like, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? And then I came in on time. He was like, you know what? You've restored my faith in humanity again. And I felt so honored that Skull was able to say that to me, made my day. Yeah, that's really saying something because, uh, and you know, I know you, you you don't have a social media presence. Anymore. No, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. So, you know, he's been v- extremely vocal uh, on Facebook mm. about his contempt for people and uh, his dismay over uh, real world events over this past year plus. Right. Uh, so for him to say that, you know, you you uh, kind of renewed his faith a little bit. Uh, that really yes. is. That's a that's a high compliment for sure. I would I would yeah, I would take that and hang on to that. He was just having a real bad day. You could tell like he had, you know, the, when Steve, he gets a little upset. He, he wears his emotions on his face and he was just like, you know what? And he, he looked like a little like it was a little aggressive. And I was like, oh, God, what did I do? What did I do? He's like, you just restored my faith in humanity. You had two people flake out on me, and now you came in on time, so I'm happy. I was like, oh, thank God. Good. Yes. No, I'm, bring I, that joy to him. I'm glad to hear that. So, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, not being able to make dinners and things like that, like, you know, uh, I, I certainly don't take offense, so, you know, please don't think right. that. And, you know, honestly, it's like we, I mean, the last time the, like, the whole gang, I know you weren't able to make it, but the rest of the gang assembled was for Rich Roney's birthday, uh, February, 2020, like that was oh. like the last, like, well, I think one, one of all of our last outings, uh, before everything shut down, but even before wow. that, and you know, we've talked about this on the show, but it's like, you know, those large gatherings really just don't happen, you know, didn't happen right. as much anymore. And, uh, often when they would happen would be, you know, like around the holiday time. So like, it's not, 
it's you know it's not so crazy right that you would have family right. obligations and things like that at that point in time but i was going to ask uh you know like who you who you're still keeping in touch with and how and i know you mentioned steve and and i know you're still are you still an active participant in the book club that san gregorio organizes yeah definitely uh obviously it's like more like a online thing now and we have like email chains going which is kind of really funny they just keep going my hard drive is shot gmail i think i need to buy more space now because of it because the threads will go to like 99, 100, and I'm just like, dear God. But it's, it's a fun, though. I really enjoy it because, in all honesty, I am a casual reader of comics. I mean, these guys are like intense. I'm put to shame like tenfold. But, you know, the thing is that most comic book guys are really nice people. And they take pride in educating, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, like my favorite character is X. Let me tell you about them. Um, one guy was so nice to me, he actually, they were talking about some comic book, it was a Justice League or something, and he goes, what's your uh, Amazon account? I'm like, what? And he gifted me a digital copy of a comic book, and it was like, you know, this guy was so passionate to share his love, he just gave me a free comic online, and I was like, oh man, you guys are so sweet. So yeah, it, it, you build, you know, a lot of friendships with it. Um, have, do you have your own clubs that you do? You're on it, man. This is, I mean, this yeah. is the, this is one of the main ways, like, I've really you know, kept in touch with people. It's like, you know, mm. and that's actually sort of been a bit of a theme with the longer Halloween, uh, this cycle of the podcast, because I spoke to Bill Mayo and Roby and Rich Roney, and now, you know, you're number four. And, uh, you know, Rich, I talk to almost weekly. Uh, I mean, right. at least weekly, you know, so we're, we're in regular contact. But pretty much everyone else, it's, you know, Facebook interactions, liking posts or the occasional message, you know, sometimes a text, but that's usually the extent of it, except when we do these podcasts. And so that's one of the, you know, the the things that I've really loved about doing this. And, you know, the book club is great. Uh, You know, I know I was there for like the very beginning of it. It got to a point where I just didn't have like the, the, the weekend day, Mm -hmm. you know, like, especially when I was deep into the documentary production and all that stuff, you know, it just, it just really wasn't feasible. And then the baby, and and then I know now it's, you know, it's via zoom, which is great. I'm glad, you know, you guys have been able to continue it. I'm, I'm (laughs) doing enough of this where it's like, I just don't really have it in me to, to do more, but I mean, it's, it's great. And I think that's probably in terms of like larger, and it's not just AR people, I, which I, I'm aware of. Like, I know it's, it's definitely a mix, but I mean, right. I feel like that's probably the largest, like that's where the largest gathering of AR refugees a, a, occurs, like on a, on a regular basis. I mean, I would right. think, I don't, I don't, not aware of anything else that, uh, you know, has, cause it's a good, I mean, it's a good number of people who are, who do it. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll be honest, like they do a lot of the Zoom stuff. I've maybe done a handful, again, because of a busy schedule or something, because it's usually done on the weekends and try to plan something to do. Even even with COVID, you just need to get the hell out, right? Occasionally, you just have to. So I've, I've even said it, I'm like, you know, guys, I'm sorry, but uh, we have a hiking plan, hiking trip plan. We need to get out before I get cabin fever and just go ballistic. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just tough, even with the Zoom and stuff, you know. Um, the, the conditions that we're living in right now are completely abnormal. So you have to look out for your own health and, you know, well-being. Yeah. But I will say, actually, specifically on the book club front, I am launching a book club podcast that I think oh. will be out the week after this episode comes out. So oh, nice. so actually a little bit of an announcement for, for listeners uh, and viewers because we do these video podcasts now, too. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna, my comic shop book club, which previously was a little bit of like a sub series within my comic shop history, but it's going to be its own full fledged 
ongoing bi-weekly podcast series. And bi we yeah. So, you know, I do digging for kryptonite bi-weekly and then my comic shop book club bi-weekly. So we'll have a new podcast every week plus my comic shop history every month. So it, I've been podcasting a lot, but it's been honestly like, I, especially during this time, it's like, you know, I have my wife and I have my son and I, you know, I'm working remotely. So I'm engaging a lot, you know, mm-hmm. that way. So it's not like I don't have interaction, but this is really like scratching an itch for me uh, in, in a very mm-hmm. different way. Uh, right. Being able to talk about this kind of stuff and especially to reconnect with you and, and the other guys from the store and all of the other people I've met, you know, along the way doing the, the podcast and the documentary and stuff. So it's right. it's really been great. And I'm, I'm excited to do uh, the book club. The first one is going to be, uh, well, the first recording. I don't know if this will be the first episode I release. So don't, don't hold me to this. But uh, I think it's going to be All-Star Batman. Awesome. Do you okay, remember All Star Batman? Wait, I'm the goddamn Batman. Uh, the goddamn one. Batman. Uh, okay. You know what? Because no, uh, we go ahead. No, you go. You go. No, because um, basically, um, we had an internal book club about um, really good bad books, and I actually did it on Holy Terror by Frank Miller. And I just remember that it was like around that same time period and just the dialogue and the use of goddamn over and over again by Miller. And it just resonated again. I was like, oh, God. But anyways. <laughs> no, it's okay. just can you do me a quick favor? Just shift over a little bit because we're, we're oh. kind of losing you. A t- okay, perfect. Uh, right, no, so the thing here's the thing with All Star Batman. And I'll say this on the book club podcast, but I'll, I'll say it here, too. I'm not I haven't done my reread yet. I haven't reread it yet. So I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm going to feel when I when I do that. But. I was not a fan of it when I read it the first time. And do you remember Brandon, Brandon Montclair, right? Who, was that editor, right? Yeah, Brandon Montclair, right? So, you know, we knew him from alternate realities. He was one of the owners. Right. Then he went on to be an editor at, at DC. And of course, now he's a, you know, full-fledged comic book writer. But at the time, he was working with Bob Shrek in the Bat office and on the All-Star line. And so he was the assistant editor on these All-Star books, Batman and Superman. And I remember like when he would come around, you know, we were all bagging on all-star Batman for the goddamn Batman and you know, all that, all that stuff. And I remember like, he was such a, such a proponent of it. And, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think like the gist of it was like, you guys don't get it. Like it's a masterpiece and you guys don't get it. And I was always like, I really don't think so, but it's always kind of stuck in the back of my head. And now I'm like, okay, I just think it would be interesting, especially for a book club discussion uh to revisit it and see like going in knowing what it is and what it's not you know could i find a way to enjoy it like is there actually something there that is worthwhile that isn't is that is an interesting and entertaining story uh so you know uh tune into my comic shop book club to find out (laughs) was it ever finished i don't even remember i got the first volume no unfinished oh lovely great Unfinished. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it, because you know, it's funny. I don't know that I even, I don't know if I even ever finished the entire thing, but uh, they did 10 issues and I don't think that the 10th issue ended on a major cliffhanger, but it definitely was not resolved. They were, they always intended to do more and never did. Oh, well, it had that really badass Joker, you know, maybe because I was young when I read it, you know, the Joker issue, I was like, oh my God, this Joker is so, I've never seen someone so violent before or things like that. So that was kind of the cool thing, but I think I'm scared. If I reread it again, I think it's not going to resonate well. The hipster in me would probably have vanished away, so I could probably look at it from a more objective perspective. Oh, yeah. Miller. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to revisit it. But, you know, I, I, was, I was obviously, yeah, I was re- reflecting on you and our friendship in advance of this. And, like, one of the things 
you know, because I met you in the context of, you know, me working at Alternate Realities and you were one of the customers there and part of the gang and, you know, came out to dinner and all that. Though I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember our first meeting. Okay, I actually have really weird, good memories. I remember your meeting you for the first time. It was, um, you know, of course, every time you come into the store, you had your Celica and you were always excited to talk about it. I know comics. And I remember I accidentally referred for the Ultimates writer. And I think I did not say it was Millar, it was someone else. And you were standing on the side and you're like, actually, it was Millar that wrote that. I still remember that. And I was like, who's this kid? But um, that was the first time I remember my interaction with you for the first time. It was this immense giddiness and excitement. And you were like, actually, Millar wrote that. I was like, okay, got it. That was, uh... That was also when we were all mispronouncing Mark Miller. Yeah. Uh, and making it a lot more exotic. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I spoke to a guy who was actually Scottish and I said, how do you pronounce it? He goes, it's actually like Miller, like, like with a little R's roll. And I'm like, okay. I, I, so I'll just say Miller, Miller, what do you want me to say? He goes, whatever, just say whatever you want. I'm like, okay. Interesting. You know, what's so funny. Cause I, you know, in the last, the Christmas episode, I had Rich Roney on and we talked about our, our first meeting, uh, Christmas 2002 at the store and he was going to buy JLA Spectre Soul War and I had read a review of it and literally in our first meeting, he's a, he's a fully grown adult, lifelong comic book fan. Here I am, 15 year old kid, 16. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't think you want to get that. I read a review. It's not, you know, it's not very (laughs) good. Oh no. And, but the thing is he ended up he flipped through it at the store and he didn't like what he saw. And that I think really, uh, curried me a lot of favor with Rich Roney because oh, he wow. still talks about it uh, two decades later. So it worked out. And then we have this instance here with you. Cause it's like, I don't, especially then, like in those high school days, I mean, I was a lot more shy. I mean, I'm, I don't mm. think I'm really shy now, but at the time, I, so like this, <laughs> the fact, like all of these first meetings <laughs> are like me being like, Hey, uh, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that you were in any way shy. Like you had like this really ecstatic personality, and you—I mean, you had a passion for it. I don't know if it was—I mean, you were a fan since the death of Superman, but yeah, you would be in there and you would just be talking and talking and talking and talking—not not in a bad way, but you know, this excitement of talking. And I accidentally said the wrong thing, and boom, you—you you were right there with the correction, politely. Obviously, there was nothing. Right. You weren't aggressive or anything, so. Yeah, I mean, I would say that would definitely be the first memory I have of you. Very interesting. I mean, that's it's fascinating to do this and to, you know, because I, I don't have that specific memory. And it it's like, it doesn't sound like me, but, but clearly it is. But, you know, I was thinking about, again, about you generally in our, in our friendship. And like one of the things that always stands out to me and kind of building on what we were just talking about with Book Club is, you know, I know you said I was enthusiastic, but I, I always sense a lot of enthusiasm for you to uh explore new stuff i mean you were Mm. you know the the you had such a and i think i maybe still do like such a strong interest to you know read and discover new stories and i remember like you would always because not just myself but all of us like we would make recommendations and stuff and you Mm. man you took them like i remember you coming up with like stacks of trade paperbacks you know based on stuff we had recommended and so that always stood out, like just, you know, how, you know, excited you were about comics and just like open to recommendations and just, just open. Cause again, you don't always get that with comic book fans. Right. You know, but it was cause every, I mean, you and Sean, I mean, you guys were giving such great recommendation. Like, you know, growing up, I would always be standard, as I said, Archie or like Superman and stuff. And then Sean would be like, Hey, read Preacher. 
and I would read it and I'm like, what is this? This is completely new. Like this guy has the voice of God and he told someone to go F himself and he actually did it. I'm like, what is this? And like, you guys just, you know, you guys gave phenomenal recommendations and that's why I kept coming and I kept giving the business. So kudos to both you and Sean for having such great taste. Yeah, no, that's very nice. And, and again, like, uh, you know, it was our pleasure to do it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't work. I mean, like we, you know, as much as we were behind the counter or whatever, I mean, that was, you know, something that I think we were just always happy to, to do. And especially again, like to have a receptive audience, you know, uh, you know, that was really cool. Uh, I mean, do you still, I mean, I guess maybe the answer is yes, you know, since you do the book club, but I mean, do you still kind of have that like thirst for comics to, you know, to kind of try new stuff? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, um, in my opinion, the best comic book I've read in the, maybe the past two, three years is the Flintstones book. Did you read that? No, but I know of it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it was mind-blowing. To me, it was like, this is phenomenal because it's it's just a great story with pictures. I mean, there's no superheroes involved, but I mean, I was completely blown away with, about about it. And um, I mean, as I said, Vision, I know a lot of people, Tom King, etc. but there's certain lines in Vision that are just like, because, you know, you look at it from perspective of... Um, this cold robot that has a life, but it's not really life. And he's so blunt because he doesn't understand like, you know, being kind, like being, you know, sensitive to people's needs. They're just telling you for what it is. It's to me that like those types of things, I like something new and refreshing. I mean, same thing with walking dead trays. There's no page breaks that you, once you buy a trade, you just have to read the whole thing or else you, I mean, you can't stop. So I just, you know, just tell a good story. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I'm not seeing a lot in terms of like superhero genre wise, but you know, at the end of the day, it's words with pictures and tell a good story. And that's what I've always been into. Yeah, right But on. Flintstones, I highly recommend Flintstones. It'll, it's change, like life changing. It's like, it's so different in a good way. All right. That's, uh, I mean, life changing is that's very, uh, well, very high praise. In the sense that it, it, like, you know, Flintstones, remember like, the cartoon, it was like, you know, that's a cute show, but it puts such a humanist approach to it. And you realize that these characters are so much more intelligent. You're like, oh, it's from back in the, you know, prehistoric, but it's so intelligent. Okay, life-changing might be a little strong, but give it a go. Well, you know, it all kind of ties together because I mentioned my New Year's tradition of watching Honeymooners. The Flintstones are based on the Honeymooners. Oh, it's the same okay. template. So Ralph and Ed are Fred and Barney and, and mm. the wives. Are the, so... Uh, I don't know. Maybe the deal should be you watch some honeymooners. I'll read some. Uh, I'll read some Flintstones. I'll try. No, no. Hmm. I'll give it a go. <laughs> Listen, we got to take a real, real quick uh, commercial break, okay. and then we'll come back and uh, yeah, we'll talk about some some uh, again how you got into comics, and and we'll we'll, we'll do some alternate realities talk because you know people love it. Sounds so good. We'll be right back. Submissions are now open for the March season of the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, New Jersey. Visit filmfreeway.com to submit your film now. Also. Be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, CJ Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, the Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics 
and on Instagram at the Hive Comic Shop. All right, and we're back. You know, Phil, by any chance, do you happen to have headphones handy? Because I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of echo, like when I'm talking, I'm hearing it a little bit oh, on your end. Uh, I do not know. They might not be spiffy enough. They're, I'm, I'm old school, man. If I don't have social media, I don't even have, like I have the plug-in ones, so I'm sorry. That's okay. I mean, are they, are they, uh, we're still recording. I, I could have hit pause, but you know what? It's the pandemic. That is what it is. But do you, uh, I mean, are they handy <laughs> enough where you could right like uh, a little bit? Um, I don't know. Listeners might not be able to hear it. I'm, I'm picking it up a little bit in my headphones. Like if they're right there and you can plug them in, I would say do it. But if not, don't sweat it. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Uh, so, uh, oh, actually before anything else, cause I don't, I want to, I don't want to forget. I want to publicly thank you for the photos that you sent me. Yes, a uh, year too late. I'm sorry. <laughs> they got into the final cut. Yeah, they're in the final oh, cut of the movie. So, uh, did you watch the movie? You did. You but you watched the I Kickstarter cut, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you haven't seen though cut. the final cut with your photos in them in it. No, I have not. Okay. Actually, I, wait, let me think about it. Uh, which one? I think when you released it officially on um, Vimeo, that's the one I saw. Okay, so that's the that's the the cut that went out to the Kickstarter backers who pledged at that level. So, okay. hey, I thank you for that, of course. But okay. also, uh, yeah, you took photos of the dismantling, the sign coming down on the final yes. night of alternate realities. And you had posted them on Facebook, but then you deleted your Facebook account. Right. And I had asked you for the photos and you were trying to find them. And yeah, you weren't able to find them by the time I, I did that first cut, but you were able to procure them and I got them in. And it was like, you know, I actually, I should have double checked the timing on this because I think it was like real, real close to when I locked the movie and sent it to my distributor. Like it was real, real oh. close, but it, it, you know, it, it made, I think, I really think it made a, a big difference because it brought to life what Bill was describing on camera. Mm -hmm. You know, he was talking about the sign coming down and now we had the visuals to show that. So that helped a lot. Right. But also, you know, spoiler alert, but the movie ends with me in front of the AR sign at Odo's garage. Yes. And so having more of that imagery uh, earlier in the movie, like really, I think really tied everything together very nicely. So what did you have to go through to get those photos back? Okay. So basically I try to be organized, but I was a little disorganized with this. And with Gmail, I sent the pictures to myself. So once it was done in Facebook, I actually had copies of it in my Gmail. Only problem was I did not know what the subject line was. So I did AR, nothing. Altered realities, nothing. Closing, nothing. So I actually just buckled down and I just filtered by um, pictures, JPEG. And I started from the bottom and just started scrolling all the way up. And praise the Lord, I found it. I was like, oh, thank God. So that was that was my strategy. That's the only way I could have done it. I was like, I have to do this. Cause I had them. You know, like when you you know you have something and you just it's just annoying you at this point. So that's what I had to do. I just had to go and look for it. Because I remember you you know emailing me and I I think you thought or maybe you did that you had them on an old phone but you didn't have the password and you were like yes. one attempt away from the phone self destructing. Yes, it was a BlackBerry and Blackberries are dead. And the problem is that my IT guys, since we don't handle Blackberries, they said, we can't reopen your phone. So you're screwed. So I had 10 options and I think I still have the phone. So if I charge the phone and turn it on, it still shows nine by 10 for my password. So I'm, yeah, I was just heartbroken. Cause I was like, I don't remember my password. What the hell? I have gone through four phones after that. So, um, yeah, I was very sad and disappointed, but then I was like, you know, it doesn't make sense. I'm too meticulous to not keep a record of it. And then I, lo and behold, through Gmail, thank God I had it. So it's very happy. 
Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, again, it, uh, it, you know, it helped a lot. And so I really appreciate the effort. I'm glad you were there and you took the photos and I appreciate you, mm. you know, being so diligent to track them down. You know, it's funny and I've talked about this, but I wasn't there that final night mm. of the store. Um, you know, funny enough. So Gavin DeGraw, uh, the singer is one of my, my, my wife and I, like he's our favorite artist and we've seen him a bunch of times now, almost annually, uh, mm. before baby and pandemic, we would go at least once a year. And we actually had, uh, for our engagement party, friends of ours got us tickets to see him at Madison Square Garden on June 30th, the last day of alternate realities. And so that's where we were that night. But okay. Steph and I went to the store that afternoon on our lunch break from work, uh, just for a final visit. And again, this has been discussed on the podcast. I think, you know, especially I remember, I know Rich spoke about it too, but, uh, you know, this, it really what didn't look or feel like the store at that point, you know, and yeah. that the Friday before was the day that Bill and I hauled out all those boxes. And then Steve, Bill and I recorded the season one finale of my comic shop history. And that was mm -hmm. that day and night were really special from a personal level, uh, right. you know, as far as alternate realities and those guys. And, you know, when I came back the next day, that day, you and like a ton of other people had been there, like tearing down the slat wall, and like taking out so much that stuff. So memorable. And. But I remember when I went in, and I know Rich had the same uh, experience when he came in a few minutes later, like the, at that point by Saturday evening before we had our last supper, that huge dinner, like it didn't look like the store anymore. And then when we went there that Tuesday, that final day of the store during lunch, like it just, you know, uh, I mean, I'm glad I went and I got to see Steve mm -hmm. and Bill. Like I'm glad I went, but it, it didn't, I felt like I had kind of already said goodbye, you know, so right. as much as it would have been nice to be there on that night right. when the sign came down. Uh, again, I felt like I had kind of, again, had that farewell, okay. but what was it like for you being there? It was, I mean, it's like a lot of, I think a lot of us can say that when we got our driver's license, was that the first place you went to when you got your driver's license? A hundred percent. The first place I drove. No exaggeration. Same here. Same here. I got my driver's license. I got into my Honda Civic. I drove up and I said, this is the first, I went to Steve and I said, you're the first place I've gone to with my license. So it feels like it's like a real, it's a real place where people go when they get their license. It's like the most tangible thing. It's like a magnetic field. It just pulls you in. So, yeah, I mean, as I recall, I still remember it. It was so vivid because he put the sign up, like, you know, the store is closing and you had all these people show up and they know the store is closed, but they just came to say goodbye to him. They took pictures with Steve and, um, okay, this is actually, I, might, I hope I don't choke up. So what happened was, you know, we helped. People were saying goodbye and stuff. Um, it was actually Ramadan, so I couldn't stay for the dinner afterwards. So I basically, when we were saying goodbye, I gave Steve a hug. And he said to me, whispered in my ears, thank you for everything. And I was like, oh, please don't cry. Please don't cry. Please don't cry. And that really, like, meant so much to me. Because, you know, uh, I was on his gunny sack for a bit. Because I had ordered books when I was in my youth. And I did not pick them up. And he did take away my discounts. Oh. And I was on that list and, you know, I felt really bad about it. I was young. I was stupid. I didn't realize consequences of, you know, financial consequences that can happen. So I still held on to that. I felt really bad. And when he said that, you know, thanks for your help for, and thanks for everything, I felt so, like, relieved. Like I hadn't absolved of my sins. So that has a very special place for me. I still very vividly remember that. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. It meant a lot to me. No, I'm sure that's a really nice moment. And, you know, it's funny, though, because I think, you know, a lot of people, even within the core group, 
mm-hmm. ran afoul of Steve at some point. I mean, and you know, in the my the first documentary I did, I have San Gregorio on screen talking about how Steve canceled his file because he didn't he didn't pick up books. Yeah. Um, you know, Doug Desher for years, for years was known as yeah. the worst defender in the store history. And right. I think we must have talked about this at some point on the podcast, but in case we didn't, a standout moment of the last supper, the big dinner, the final Saturday of the store was Steve pardoning yes <laughs> call that that was great and there's this and there's a, and jason medina you know one of the customers who came who helped out that day and he came to the dinner he took a ton of photos and they're in the documentary too you guys really that was clutch because i you know during those final weeks and months of the store it's like i was doing the podcast that was my way of mm-hmm. documenting this but i wasn't like right. taking photos or video and stuff so that was huge but there's this great photo of of doug like with arms in the air triumphant yeah. Uh, as, as Steve finally absolved him of that. But, uh, you know, so like there were a lot of instances of that, um, but I'm glad that, you know, you, you could have that moment and, you know, I you got know, my closure. Yeah. So happy. No, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, we'll circle back to AR, but you know, you mentioned, uh, Ramadan and, you know, that's another thing when I was thinking about you, things that have kind of stood out. There've been a lot of dinners I remember over the years where you would come, but it was during Ramadan and you were fasting, but you would still come. And you would just get water and sit around the rest of us while we, I mean, the, the willpower to do that is commendable. No, seriously. I appreciate it. But, you know, we've been doing it for so long you know, as just Muslims in general that, you know, it's worked conditioned. We started around like eight to 10 years old. You start slowly on it, obviously. You don't do the full 30 days. But after a while, it's like, you know, there's weaknesses. Everyone's got a certain weakness. For me, it's French fries. So if I smell French fries, I'm like, oh, no. But otherwise, I'm good, man. I mean, the most of at the end of the day, it's usually water that tends to get you. But if you're not exerting yourself, you're fine. And just being around friends, it's like family. So it never bothered me. I got the love. I feed off the love. That's uh-huh. all that matters. We're almost in Sko territory, you know, because Sko claims that he feeds himself mentally. I don't know if you remember that Odoism. Oh, uh, yes. I forgot. Which, what number was that? <laughs> I don't know. 37. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, but, um, well, you say it's funny cause for French fries, but like we would often go to Mickey Spillane's and I feel like most people probably had <laughs> French fries. I did. Yeah. It, it was just God testing me at that point. So it's okay. With Ramadan, it's 30 days. Is it, you, you fast for, uh, for portions of the day or how does uh, it sunrise to sunset? Okay. Um, the good news is that when we were doing it, when I was doing it, when AR was around, um, so it gets pushed back 10 days every year. So right nowadays, it's like in the heat, in the heart of summer. So the days are a little bit longer, like 12 to 14 days of sunrise. But back in the day, it was like in the wrong wintertime. So it was casual, man. There's nothing. What, eight-hour days? <sighs> nothing. Well, listen, I still give you credit. You know, I... I it's funny. You don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I'm, I, I was kind of curious because like, you know, I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic mm. school pre-K through uh, college. Uh, right. But I... You know, at this point in my life, I'm not a practicing Catholic. And even when I was, it's like, you know, not eating meat on Fridays or things like that. I'm, you know, right. I never followed that. I, I always rejected that. And, <laughs> you know, these days, you know, I mean, I very much uh, still, I think, follow and, and definitely appreciate the, the the morals, the lessons, the stories of, right. of the Bible and, and of Jesus that of I learned. But again, I, I'm not uh, an active practitioner of mm-hmm. of my faith the way it seems like you know you are and i guess i was just kind of curious like is it just 
I guess what's the what's driving you? Like, is it that it's just so so it's such a part of your life and routine? Is it like family pressure? Is it like genuine belief? Like some some mix of all of that? It's yeah, and it's also like a challenge, right? Like people have been doing this for thousands of years, and they've done it in the desert for God's sake. So I'm in an air conditioned room. What am I complaining about, right? <laughs> so it's like it's for me. It's just you know I know I have some friends that I know people that are Muslims that don't they you know they don't adhere to all the principles like you know they might drink they might do whatever but when it comes to ramadan they are all buckled down and they will <laughs> they all do it because it's like we look at it as a challenge it's like a lot of people think it's like oh my god how do you do it but it's like you know we're like, we look, we accept it as that it's it's a part of a struggle and you kind of you know work through it uh, even in like a lot of christianity faith that fasting is kind of it's something that clears your mind and you know the whole intermittent fasting and all that stuff Everyone's on that, like they're doing their a modified version of Ramadan at this point. So everyone's doing the club. That's true. No, no, that's true. But no, I, I again, I, uh, I always admire that. And you know, I have Thanks. your, I have your actual name up on the screen there. Yes, I see that. You know, the way again, I don't, well, I don't remember our first meeting. I definitely know that. I'm sure you were introduced to me as Phil Insane. Probably. Which was yes. the, where did that like where did that come from and what what was behind that. I think it was Mike Mayo, Bill's brother. Okay. He's probably the one that said Phil Insane. And then like my my um my pullout sheet had it insane and then like anything that was kept for me, like hard covers, it just had Phil Insane. So just roll with the punches at this point. I was like, Oh, it is what it is. Yeah. I guess the rhyming aspect that we went Hussein insane, I mean, was that like, exactly the idea? Absolutely. Insane in the membrane, I've heard them all. <laughs> you know, Hussein in the membrane. It's we were fun. kids. It's funny because like uh, there's the only thing that I would say maybe is a little insane about you is the original art collecting, the lengths uh, oh. to which you've gone for art. And, you know, oh, man, it's so funny. I was, I was thinking about this, too. You've been on the show three times. Mm -hmm. You've been on the show, My Comic Shop History, three times. But the first time was in season one when we did our comic shop business school. So it was very focused right. on that. And then you were on the show twice in season two. The first was the original art episode, which to this day is one of our highest rated episodes. People people oh. love that like how-to original art thing. And then right. we did a book club episode on New Frontier. Right. So like for the despite the fact that you've been on three times, like every time you've been on, there's been like a different folk. Like it hasn't been AR centric. Uh, right. So I was kind of curious, like how how you even came to AR uh, in the first place and, and how you how you became part of the crew. You know, the joining of like the family aspect, I would have to credit you and Sean for that, because, oh. um, well, the first thing is I actually lived across the street from uh, one if by cards, two if by comics, like literally next door. And I would go there all the time. And then when we started going to school in Edgemont, I would sometimes walk down. Like, I would walk home, which was a pretty long walk now that I think about it. And I would see, oh, comic book store. And like a, I would just, like a moth to a fire, you know, fire, I'll just go there. And I looked at the store, and I'm like, this is what a store is supposed to be. They had the X-Men pinball, arcade machine, I believe, or the pinball, I forgot. I mean, they had all these things. And I'm like, wow, this is what a store is supposed to be. So I was going back when, um, you know, Steve was running it and Tom Doherty, I believe that's his last name. He was running the store. So I'm like old school. Um, the first time I met Drew, it's actually kind of funny. Um, I was supposed to get a cab to pick me up and the cab never came. And Drew, complete stranger, is like, hey, I'll give you a ride home. And now that I think about it, I was like, hmm, 14-year-old kid getting a ride from a stranger home is probably not a good idea. But, you know, he, 
we all know how generous Drew is as a person. So you can kind of, you know, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, that's, I mean, I was going back in the day and then, um, uh, you know, I stopped collecting for a little bit because comics just got a little too saturated. I can actually tell you, the, I think I've spoken about this, the comic book that got me out of comics was uh, Batman Darkness, the Top Cow DC book. Oh, right, because, right. Yeah, that was literally, the, I remember that. I read it. I'm like, okay, Sylvester did like three pages of this. The rest is just filler artists. I was like, all right, I'm done with comics. Um, and then I had a, uh, a reemergence with uh, Steve Otto said to read Superman Red Sun. And he was so passionate about it, he reinstated my discount. He's like, this book is so great. I want, I'll give you the discount. Just read it. And that really sparked me, my second coming of reading comics. And then you guys came into the picture. And, you know, from there on, it's, it's history. Yeah, you know, that's the funny thing. Like, you know, we, we've discussed this about how Steve, you know, really lost the passion for comics. And I think that was, mm -hmm. you know, uh, definitely played a role in him ultimately closing the store. But it's like every now and then he would read and really get behind something. Like I remember yeah. JLA The Nail was a okay. big one that he really liked. Uh, he was really into We Three, uh, the Grant mm. Morrison Vertigo book about the cybernetic dogs. So yes. like every now and then there would be something. And it's like, you know, if Steve said like, you really need to read this, it was like, wow, like yeah. it must be something for this guy <laughs> to like <laughs> spring into action because it was so out of the norm, you know? Right. And then because he was like, you just got to read those two, you know, those two pages, right? The famous two pages. And when you read it, it's like, did your life finally feel complete when you read it? I was like, you know what? There was this enlightenment period. I'm not going to lie to you. It was like, yes, it felt like your life had come to a complete close. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah, I mean, just that passion was the reason I got back into comics. And then I would, you know, occasionally come in. And I didn't know you guys too well back then. But, you know, I, I would say, hey, what do you guys recommend? And then, you know, Sean would be like, you got to read Starman. He's like, you got to get the Omnibus. So I have all the Omnibuses for that. Um, I was going through a Jeff Loeb kick, and you really helped me with a lot of those books, um, the Preacher books, and DC. I mean, you guys were pretty much the reason I read DC. Otherwise, I was just a Marvel fiend. It's funny with Loeb because, uh, you know, I did, and I don't know if you've, if, if you've uh, had a chance to check out the Superman show, but I think, yeah, I think you might, you might enjoy it. But I did uh, two, like, supersized, no pun intended, episodes mm -hmm. on the Jeff Loeb era of the Superman books. Okay. And that was, that was so much fun to revisit. And I'm planning an, ep an episode in the new year on uh, his Superman Batman run with Ed McGinnis right. and Michael Turner and, and Carlos Pacheco. Pacheco. And, you know, I'm also mapping out new episodes of this book club podcast that I'm starting up. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know exactly what order, like I'll, I'll space them out, but like, or, like some of the first things that I put on my list were Batman Hush, Batman Long Halloween, uh, the color series that he did with Tim Sale uh, for Marvel, right. you know, Daredevil Yellow and Spider-Man Blue and all that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, there's a lot of Lope stuff. Uh, right. So there's, a, you know, a lot that he wrote, especially during that period of time that I really dug a lot. And, and I'm glad that, you know, we were able to, to share that and that you enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. No, because I it was I went through a huge lobe kick, and I was like, Anthony, what do you recommend? And I was like, well, you can read uh, Spider-Man Boop. Got it. Hulk Greg, got it. I mean, Daredevil, you know, I got it all. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's still good. <laughs> I should probably revisit those. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'm, yeah. I'm curious about that myself. It's hilarious, though, when you talk about Drew giving you uh, a ride home, because... 
uh, Roby and I had this exact exchange when he was on the show a couple of months ago because uh, he's got like gotten back into magic a little bit uh, out in okay. uh, Seattle where he is, and he talked about you know like playing magic again in stores. I mean, not now during COVID, but before that. And he right. said he's like you know like I think to myself because like now he's playing magic. I guess like with kids who were the same age he was when he was playing. Right. And he's like you know it was like I wouldn't like he's like you know I have to be very like I wouldn't give any of them a ride or you know or anything yeah. like that. And it's like it's you know I mean it's it's really true. I mean thankfully again it was a wonderful group of people and everything was on the up and up. But it's like kind right. of on paper and when you look back at it, it's like yeah like that could have <laughs> been yeah, bad. Because he was like, all right, come on. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, come on, I'll give you a ride. I'm like, okay, thanks. And just come on. <laughs> he dropped me on Central Avenue in his Jeep Wrangler. I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I, and I hope you don't mind me asking. I'm, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, obviously in, in the world today, right, there's this, you know, a real powerful moment of racial reckoning and awareness that we haven't had before. And, you know, I guess like I've been more reflective on, on my own experiences. And like, I think about the alternate realities group and it's like, it's a pretty like white male group generally, right. like pretty homogenous. Like, you know, obviously Steve is of Japanese descent, you know, Tom is half Thai. And I'm so sorry if I'm forgetting anybody, but like, that's kind of it. And so, you know, obviously you, you know, brought a whole, you know, whole other background and perspective. I mean, the, the fact that, uh, you know, you were, the, you know, the only one, you know, in, in our, in our group like that, was that ever anything that like weighed on you, played any role or anything like that? No, not at all. I no. mean, you know, like, I know some people use that term, I'm some, you know, I'm colorblind, I don't see it. No, I mean, we all see our colors. You shouldn't be colorblind. You just recognize it exists, but it means nothing. It doesn't stand for anything. I mean, what brought us together wasn't skin color. It was our passion for something, right? Good. So that's that's the only reason. I mean, yeah. we even joke about it all the time. I mean, geez, you make, I mean, people make fun of my last name. I mean, I'm not offended by it. So it's like, you know, it's in good fun. There's nothing that's done out of your, your intentions are not bad or anything. But yeah, it's comic book that brought us together. Skin color meant nothing to me. Yeah. Or anyone. Anyone at that point, right? Yeah, no, for no, for sure. Um, no, I was just kind of curious about that. And because, you know, I, I have been, one thing I've been thinking about more in recent years is about the whole idea of, of representation specifically, you know, in comics right. and movies and TV and stuff. And, you know, one of the, you know, I had a conversation with, uh, and on the podcast, it was in season three when I went to Amalgam Comics and Coffee House the, in Philadelphia. And, you know, I had a conversation with Arielle Johnson, who's the owner of the store, and she's the first black woman to own a comic shop on the East Coast, you know, and, and wow. she's gotten a lot of press for that. And she's in the documentary and, and all that. And, yes. But, you know, we, we did the podcast interview and, you know, she spoke a lot about how much, how important the character Storm uh, was to mm. her when she was growing up. And the fact that, you know, as a, as a little black girl, like there was no one else in in comics that she right. that she read where she was like i see myself in this character and except for yeah. storm and it meant so much to her and that really landed with me because it again just reflecting i'm like you know what i've never i've never had to think about that i've never said i've never said like oh i you know this character's like me because most of the characters especially in comics are, are straight white men and so it's like i never yes. you know i never had that and and so i really kind of came to appreciate that on a new level and uh you know like i know for example uh, you know dc right with their green lanterns title uh in yes. recent years right the the muslim green lanterns i mean i, I don't know like yeah. what was your take on that did you feel like like this is great like this is greater representation i see myself in these characters did it feel like pandering did, like how did you feel about it so dc i felt like 
my opinion, no one else's. Sure. Definitely DC felt a little pandering, but Miss Marvel was on point. That okay. one, because Sada Aman, the editor on that book, had a lot of input. And the references, culture references, everything flowed. And it, it was relevant. And it made sense. Nothing felt forced with that one. So the Green Lantern one, unfortunately, like it turned into a, a little bit of a joke. Cause it's like, okay, he's got a gun. All right, that makes no sense. Um, you know, and it involves like terrorism and things like that. Like his brother was someone who was involved. It's like, no, that's not what it is. You need to just focus on the person. And Miss Marvel was spot on. Like I actually have like the first twenty four issues of that run, and I don't I don't read individual comics. And I actually have hard copies. I would give it to my wife to read when we were going out. And because they had all these great references. Um, if you're Pakistan, you're South Asian, you would get them. So it was all these things. And it just, it felt natural when I read Captain Miss Marvel versus Green Lantern, which was like, I don't get it. Like it was, it just didn't click. It didn't feel like it was natural. So I, kudos to Marvel on that. I'll give them that. That's fascinating to hear, uh, and you know, you're the person to ask, right? Because the the perspective that you have is, you know, is certainly yeah. different than than what I have. And there's stuff that I, you know, wouldn't wouldn't pick up. And I'll be honest, I have not read either one. I actually do have the first uh, Ms. Marvel trade. It's uh, sadly mm -hmm. sitting on the shelf with like a lot of other stuff that I haven't gotten to yet. But that I might now, thanks to the book club podcast. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, it's actually on Amazon Prime Digital Reading too. So Marvel's been pretty good about that. So you can actually read the first trade digitally. If you want to pick up the trade, excuse me. How are you reading? So, you know, that's actually one one thing that I I guess I'm not curious because you've already spoken about being part of book club. So, you know, obviously you're you know you're still reading comics, but like, are you? Because with the book club, I know you know the I don't know if the someone puts forth a suggestion, you guys vote. However, it is, but it, you know you, you know titles are selected. But are you reading stuff like outside of book club? Are you still following what's going on, or is is your reading primarily what you're doing for book club? It's primarily what it, uh, you know what we kind of suggest with each other. Um, these guys are like, most of the guys in the club are like hardcore Wednesday warriors. So, you know, there's a lot of passion that goes through and I'm still a trade guy. So I have the right. patience to wait for the trades. Um, but I have transitioned to digital. Um, I was anti-digital for the longest time. And then my God, it's so convenient, dude. It is just too easy. Like it's just, and of course the guide is the greatest thing. Because I think the one problem with comic books in general is that your eye wanders. So you kind of spoil yourself if you turn a page. So I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd like this, but I tend to use my hand and I cover. <laughs> so when I turn a page <laughs> and I use that as a make sure that I don't read what's going on. But with this app thing, it's great. You just tap, tap. It kind of shows you exactly where you got to go. Oh, so you use the guided view where they take you like yeah. panel by panel. Yes, oh, okay. I I, 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 I can't, I can't bring myself to no. use it. No. I feel like uh, I get what you're saying, and I don't. Again, I don't begrudge your use of it or no, anyone's of use of it. I don't know. I feel like it's. Uh, I don't want to say cheating, but it's like, I guess. So I, I will say, and I've I've said this on the show. This is not a revelation, but I I too have uh, become a reader of digital comics more so than I ever thought I would be. You know, and it's mm -hmm. like you know, I do a show called My Comic Shop History. Like my heart is always with the stores. And, right. you know, I encourage everyone, you know, support your local yes. comic shop and, and all of that. But uh, mostly as a function of space, you know, it just got to the point where, you know, the, the digital makes sense. And I I think one thing that, like, held me back for a long time was just uh, I, I wanted to replicate the experience as much as possible as reading the physical book. So I ended up getting, like, the biggest iPad Pro that they have. And, like, that mm. 
basically is the same size, maybe even a little bit bigger as the the actual you know comic book page. And then I felt like, okay, like I have the same dimensions that I'm working with. And they really, the, right. I mean, the, the pages look really sharp and crisp and bright on the screen. Right. Uh, but I don't use the guided view because I feel like this way I'm looking at it the same way I would. But I get what you're okay. saying. Like it makes sense. Yeah, for me personally, I felt like that was the one flaw with tangible comics. I mean, all through history of the publication was that if um, if the editor or, you know, the page layout wasn't right, you would kind of spoil things for yourself. And I'm like a diehard nerd when it comes to spoilers. So I, I literally use my hand to mask the falling panels until I know what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the guided view, but, you know, to each their own. But, you know, in, uh, in my comic shop country, and I interviewed Mark Wade, and he he – had a really important point that, mm. you know, as we're, uh, you know, in the movie we explore like why, you know, the, the comic book movies are so popular, but you don't always see that translate to comics readers. And he made the point that like, you know, reading comics, like it's a whole other language. And if you don't grow up reading comics, it's not as intuitive and natural as you might expect. Like if you right. hand an adult a comic, they've never looked at a comic before. And it's like, it, it might not be so intuitive, like exactly how to follow the story and the action. Right. But something like Guided View, I think, solves that. I think you're absolutely right, yeah. yeah. Um, especially, you know, the problem a lot of times with trades is the double page. Because if the panels, like if the stitching is wrong and the panel looks a little off, you don't know if you're reading a double page or you're reading a single page. Uh, yeah. Worst feeling yeah. on the planet. So what do you, uh, do you have like Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe or what do you? No, I just uh, through the Kindle, uh, the Kindle app. I just, oh. ran, you know, just buy them directly through Amazon, get it downloaded on the iPad and just dig it from there. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you've, uh, again, like you and I have not, I mean, you know, we'll exchange the occasional text, but I would like, we have really yeah. not, you know, certainly had a conversation, yeah. a long conversation a long time. And, and so, you know, it's great to see you and I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that you're still into comics. That's great. You're st yes. still collecting art. So I've become more conservative. I feel like I only splurge on New York comic con. That is the only time Okay. I hit that's it because I can't do the it's addictive, man. I feel like, you know, like people talk about social media and having that dopamine burst. It's the same with, I think, like comic art collecting. You want to get that recognition by putting it on comic art fans and all this stuff and just get validation. And I was like, all right, I got to stop with this. So I have, you know, last year was phenomenal for me at New York Comic Con. I'll be more than glad to show you some art even now or whenever you want. But um, you know what? You want one second? You want to show you something? Sure. Yeah, I actually have something. Hopefully it'll translate well. While you get that, I'll this. just I'll just plug, you know, if anyone has not listened to the uh, season two, episode two uh, of My Comic Shop History, the the uh, the deal of the art, uh, I hope you check it out. Ah, wow. It's not Rabik Thor commission that I had gotten. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. It was my pride and joy. I got it, and I looked at it. I'm like, why did you just give me a cover? Like, no, 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 that's a commission. I was like, okay. Again, that's the whole mantra, right? You get an artist. You try to get what they're good at. You don't try to see, oh, let's try something with them, because nowadays prices are so darn high, you can't take that chance. You have to go with the tried and true. So um, it's funny. San Gregorio said something really funny. He bought a lot of art, too, in New York Comic Con. He goes... You know, my happiness is directly correlated with how much money I spend in New York Comic Con. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's exactly how it works. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun last year. Did you go last year? No. No? Uh, okay. The last, uh, Steph and I went in 2017. Mm. Yeah, 2017. Okay. Yeah, our first year anniversary. 
literally that day oh, we went we went to yeah, Comic Con. Uh, so so that's it though. I haven't gone since. Um, uh, but I, so yeah, I was curious because it's like again, I know how how into the art you've been, and mm. you know, I figure like you know because again, it's been I think four years since we did that mm. that episode. And it's like, I can't, it's just, it just seems like so hard to sustain, you know, from just the, 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 the time and effort and the financial component, uh, oh, space, yeah. like all, all that stuff. How, how does your wife feel about it? Um, okay. So I got a really funny story. So, you know, she was like, okay, it's cute. You sometimes you spend a little bit too much money. Like sometimes I'd tell her the numbers and I would tell her the real numbers. I would not lie to her. So, um, you know, somewhere in a couple of thousand dollars and she was like, geez, Louise. Um, when I showed her the Thor, that Thor was, I'll be honest, it was $1,200. Um, but she was like, well, that seems like it's, yeah, it seems like a good value for your money. And then, um, a couple of last year or two years ago, I had a guy email me, this is a funny story. And, um, he said, I like your, you know, I'm a huge pit fan, Dale Keown mm -hmm. fan. And I own this double page splash. And he's like, how much do you want? I threw a really stupid high number and he goes, that's really pricey, but I have a friend who might be interested. Can he contact you? I was like, this is really weird. I'm like, yeah, sure. Wait half an hour. An email comes in my inbox. I look at it. I'm like, huh, Robert Kirkman. That's interesting. Oh, huh. yeah. And he emails me. He goes, hey, I heard you got pit pages. I'm your man. What? I'm like, okay, this is the number. He goes, done. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm committed now. And then I told my wife the number, and she goes, hmm, I guess this isn't a stupid hobby, is it? I'm like, yeah, it's not. But that was a really funny story. Just the fact that I my inbox comes in and says Robert Kirkman. I'm like, this doesn't look right at all. This is a fake. I click on it. I'm like, oh wow, that's really him. Awesome. So that was a. So once that happened, you know, you find out that it is an investment. <laughs> that's amazing. Listen, Walking Dead has been very successful. I'm not surprised yeah. he can throw money around on art. That's so cool. I mean, and yeah, I mean, like that's that must be very validating for for both you and your wife, right? Because it's like, yes. you know, you get the art for a number of reasons, right? I mean, you 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 enjoy them. I mean, do you display yes. them or you have them all in portfolios? No, they're still in the portfolios. I just love going through. But you do I go mean, through them. Got, yeah, I go okay. through it. Like you know, um, I try to do it like once a month or so. I just crack them open, and I just go page by page. It's it's you know, it's still a great feeling. But I'm also not stupid, so. If someone goes and throws an absurd number like he did, I'm I'll be like, all right, it is what it is. But I still have one other page that he wants that I refuse to sell to him. So I have that over Robert Kirkman. <laughs> um, take that, take that, Kirkman. Yeah, uh, no, he's that's, a very funny guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you converse more with him? Have you kept in touch? Yeah. So in New Year's and last year's Comic Con, um, he put uh, he went to see Eric Larson, who was sitting across. So I work at a uh, artist alley um, at a friend's table, and. Um, Eric Larson was across this and basically it was right around closing time and you see Robert Kirkman's got a baseball cap all the way down to his head. And um, I look at him and my friend who's a dealer, he knows him. He goes, go talk to him. I'm like, what? He goes, just go talk to him. So I pull up my the comic page and I'm like, hi, Robert, my name's Phil. I sold you the other page. And before I could take my phone, he grabs my phone. He goes, yes, I'm very interested. And then he looks at me and jokingly goes, yes, maybe I'm interested. Like he tried to play it off. <laughs> it was it was really cute. And then um. I kind of spoke to him a little bit about it, and he goes, "Well, if you're ever interested, you have my contact details. If you ever want to sell it, you know, you just get a hold of me." I was like, "Okay." Shook his hand, walked back. That was it. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's so. Uh, that's very cool. Uh, no, I, that's that's really amazing to hear. And yeah, I'm sure you know. Again, like from the 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 spouse's perspective, it's like you know, it's like yeah, okay, it's like all right, there really yeah. is. 
there really is something to this. I know you mentioned you gave uh, your wife uh, Ms. Marvel to read. I mean, did she read it? Did she like it? Has she read other comics? She enjoyed it. So this is the one thing I, um, she, I got her convinced to read was uh, The Killing Joke. I think if you want to get anyone introduced to comics, forget Watchmen, it's too dense. Forget Dark Knight Returns, it's too dense. 48 pages of absolute masterpiece, Batman The Killing Joke. Because I tell I say two things to them. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it. You know, you never know. I say about the photograph scene, and then I say the last two pages. What do you think happened? I actually took a picture of my wife. I gave her the hardcover. She's reading, and I took a picture on the couch, and she's just, like, so concentrated on reading the pages. And then when she read it, I'm like, so tell me your, th your thoughts. And we would have a discussion for, like, two hours. And I think that's the power of that book. You know, it's funny because as you were saying, like that that's your go to like to introduce someone to comics. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> no. But, but uh, and 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 she enjoyed it. I mean, I assume oh, she had... enjoyed it. She really enjoyed it. She goes, wow, I didn't think it could be like that. I what did like, she yeah. think? What did she think happened at the end? Should we just talk about it? I guess. I mean, it's been out for decades. Time. I think it's all right. Yeah, why not? She thinks she thinks he killed her. Yeah, I killed that Joker. Batman killed Joker. And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like he did. He just went insane at that point. But she was like, no, I think he killed her, killed uh, the Joker. And then I asked him about the photo scene. Um, I was like, do you think that Joker is actually crazy enough to rape Barbara Gordon? And that one is still a toss up. It's like, I don't know. I personally do not think so. But then, you know, we actually, um, I was talking to someone and they actually got really upset at the, even the notion because in their mind, they never even thought about that. And they're like, no, no, that's not possible. What are you talking about? I was like, okay, okay, never mind. Touch the touchy subject. But um, but definitely the ending is the one thing that I didn't even think about. When I read it, I always think that, you know, he just went crazy. Batman basically realized he's as crazy as a Joker. But right. my wife straight up believes that Batman killed the Joker. Yeah. So, like, we might we might be blowing some people's minds here. But, uh, yes, there is an interpretation of the ending of Killing Joke that Batman kills the Joker. That's why the laughter yeah. stops. And, you know, in those final panels, you know, you see Batman reach up and, and put his hands, yeah. you know, around Joker's neck. And then the laughter just kind of stops as we as we pull out and did you did you listen to grant morrison on kevin smith's podcast where he uh went through yes this? i did and i don't know if he was trolling or not so no i think yeah, he, i mean i think he was genuine and that was i mean this was years ago now but yeah grant morrison was on kevin smith's podcast and he was talking about as as so matter of fact about it as possible he was yes. like well you know he kills him at the end of it and Kevin Smith apparently had never thought about it that way. And he was like, what are you talking about? He goes, he goes, I, I, I won't do a Morrison accent, but I want right. to, but I won't. <laughs> but he's like, it's the killing. All right, I'll do it. It's the killing joke. Like it's the, yeah. like that's the killing joke that he kills the Joker. And it, it really is kind of mind blowing. Now, look, it, yes, we can get technical here. And it's like, well, obviously Joker has continued to appear in comics published right. by DC, but as far as like Morse or more Moore's uh, intent with the book, I think that's a pretty uh, a pretty spot on interpretation, and I think that yeah. makes it. I mean, does it not make it vastly more interesting than they laugh and it just stops? Right, and I mean, just the fact of, I and mean, you can even do an entire book club on this book at this point because it's like if you think really hard about it, is that the Joker was just this mediocre guy, and he just had one really bad day and that's what created this monster i mean that just brings like shh, like it just brings goosebumps to me just to think about that that that's what triggered this insanity so if you like to tell that to someone and they to read this book 
they get so engaged by it. And I, I mean, I strongly believe that you ever want to get someone into comics because, you know, people always have this thing about comic books being childish, right? So it's like you want to read something a little bit more adult and Batman related because Adam West or something is like, you know, something that you would remember. It's like, you know what, read this book and you'll understand the complexity. So plus, in my opinion, Gordon was a real hero in that book. But that's another subject. Yeah. Did you uh, did you read Three Jokers? No, that's the one book I have to pick up. I mean, I know that Faybox art on that is just absurd. So I have to check that out. Yeah, the art is phenomenal. And it was interesting. Uh, I'm still kind of thinking it over, but uh, but it was good. And definitely as a fan of Killing Joke, I think you really do need to read this. Uh, I mean, it's weird. Oh. Like Jeff Johns is in this like phase I never would have expected for him where he's <laughs> following up the work of Alan Moore with Doomsday Clock and now Three Jokers. It's like, yeah, all right. Mm. Uh, but you should, you really should check it out. I, I, I do recommend okay. it. How was Doomsday Clock, by the way, if you've read it? I loved it, actually. Really? Okay, I need to... Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not, uh, I don't know, like, your mileage on it may vary depending on how, uh, much affinity you have for Alan Moore and for the original Watchmen. Because, I mean, you know, there's, I know there's a whole camp of fans who are like, this is sacrilege, like, how could anyone else uh -huh. do anything Watchmen? And it's like, if you feel that way, it's like, well, all right, that's probably not for you, but... Uh, I liked it a lot, like way more than I thought I did. Because again, I I very much like I enjoyed when I read Watchmen, but it's not something that I like go back to all the time. And yeah, it's something that like I I admire and I appreciate and I respect it. Like I respect what it did for comics more so right. than I'm like I really had a great time reading that. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I, I went into this and I was like, okay, like I, you know I could take it or leave it, and uh, I really liked it and. Again, I won't spoil it because that is pretty recent and you haven't read it. But yeah. uh, in terms of how it sort of pays off what Jeff John set up in, in DC Rebirth uh, and especially Superman's role in it as the Superman mm -hmm. fan, uh, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was very satisfying and I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, oh, so, great. yeah, I do I do okay. recommend it. Um, so nice. maybe the opposite of uh, to kind of bring this full circle and, and sort of uh, <laughs> to go the opposite route uh, of, of Alan Moore and Killing Joke and all that stuff. Like Archie Comics, so how how was it that Archie was the way? Like, how did you come to Archie Comics? Because I know you said that's how you learned English when you came to America. Like, how old were you, and how did how did those comics enter the picture? Well, it was it was back in Pakistan that I mean that I actually learned oh. to read them. Yeah, so like I was um, six or seven. My mother had one rule uh, when it came to learning: there was no budget. So like actually being able to read comics to her was fine because it was I was reading English. So. Um, I still remember I learned the word Olympics through Archie Comics. And I would say the word and I couldn't figure it out. I, it was Olympics, Olympics. I couldn't figure out What the hell does this word mean? And then I would watch television and the Olympics would come up and I would see those exact words. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. So like, I still remember like just being able to read and this fondness and the smell of the newsprint. I don't, I mean, that's still something that's most, um, you know, brings back memories of AR all the time. So it was from growing up in Pakistan is that's how I started reading. And then um, there was something called New Little Archies, which I believe Mark Wade wrote a few of those. Um, Mike Pellerito, uh, he gave me a whole lecture on this one. So I was very excited. Mike Pellerito is a president of Archie Comics just in FYI. Yes. And um, yeah, so like um, I started just reading those books and I would learn new words. Like I learned lawsuit because Reggie wanted to sue Archie for something. And it's a Sue woman. I'm like, what the hell does Sue mean? And then I would find out that it means, you know, what it means. So it was just this ref, like it was 
I had the pictures, I had the words, and then I would reference them together. And like, this is how words and pictures kind of came into my life is because of that. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it was amazing. I had so many books, like, and literally it's like, Archie always has that place in my mind, in my heart. So, uh, as I said, when you talk about Riverdale, I was like, no, no, close that door. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much, yeah, that's what it was. That's, uh, no, that's really, really cool. I mean, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, if you, I know you obviously you have affinity for the characters. It's like, well, I know you did already try Riverdale. Um, but I mean, I think if you, if you end up giving it another shot at some point and just kind of keeping in mind, like this is a different interpretation for a different okay. medium, you know, uh, there might still be stuff that you can enjoy. Uh, again, you know, it's, I mean, it's easy for me to say that because I've, I've not read the comics. I don't have that connection. So mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not offended when Archie's banging his teacher because I don't have like a preconceived notion really of, of the character right. beyond like a very, very surface level. Mm -hmm. um, do you still follow the comics? Because they have did such interesting stuff in recent years from what I've heard. Uh, well, I mean, I did the Life with Archie thing and that was really, really great. Um, but I did go off a little bit. Um, occasionally if I'm at, um, at like a, small little bookstore or something i might just pick it up it's just something to read just on a, on a bed bed stand so yeah. um because it's just the classic stuff right it's just i haven't read the new stuff recently but i mean i heard it's, it's a pretty good direction that they've been gone at like you know like the, the zombie stuff and uh, adam hughes did some stuff with them so uh, no i haven't picked up the new stuff but it's just that affinity right the digest that's just that memory you always chase that memory so maybe i'll give it a go you never know yeah um, listen, th uh, this really, uh, it's been great to catch up. So let, let's sum up here. So, uh, still interested in comics, primarily through book club, uh, right. reading digitally, which, which is, is a shift. You've, you've cut the cord as far as cable, uh, still yes. happily married. How many years is it now? Uh, we celebrated five years, uh, July 25th. So five. Well, congratulations. That's, I, yeah, it's, thank you. it goes so fast. It goes very fast. Yeah. I mean, we, we actually did a lot of traveling last year. We traveled to Europe a few times. So the lockdown has been a little bit like of a 180 uh, in terms of experience. But, you know, we got each other. So that's all that matters. So, yes. Yeah. yeah no, for sure. Uh, and now are you, I know, I know you said with New Year's going into, did you physically go into the office or are you working remotely these days? Oh, I haven't stepped foot since February. So um, okay. it's, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. Uh, the markets have been kind of crazy. Um, I don't even know why I go into the office anymore. It kind of destroys the whole purpose. Like the whole structure of going into an office makes no sense at this point. But, uh, I, you know, I say that. that's the thing though. Like, you know, obviously this has been a terrible situation in so many ways for right. so many people, but you know, like, you know, try, trying to look on the positive side as much as we can. And it's like, I previously never did remote podcasts because I mm. like the in-person and I still prefer, it's better in person. You get a more organic right. conversation that, you know, the sound is better, all that stuff. But it's like, this opens it up now. And maybe now there's someone who I just would never have the, you know, just due to geography, would never be able to have on the show. But it's like now, uh, you know, we, we have the capability to do it. Now I'm doing video podcasts, which hopefully will help me broaden my audience. So it's like, you know, and as far as like work work, you know, I, I'm the same as you. Like I haven't been into the office since, since March and, I always felt that with the exception of our like in-person events, cause I'm in admissions mm -hmm. and we do events, but like with the exception of that, like I've always felt like I could do this from home. Like we, we have the technology. It's like, there's nothing I can't do from home. And like exactly. now I proved it. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done more complex work at home than I ever did in my office. It's just like, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, our company's been doing, you know, we had, we had a good year. Everyone was working from home. You didn't need anyone in an office. Um, I saved tons of money on Metro North. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. To feast the purpose of the whole office model. But, you know. Well, you know, we'll see how things change uh, uh, moving forward. And uh, so I know you said, you know, you had the contact with Odo and I know you do the book club. Do you keep in touch with anyone else from the store in any way? Uh, occasionally I would ping Drew a couple of times. If I see an Infinity Gauntlet original page, I'm like, is this yours? Because he was definitely the custodian. He goes, yes, no, sold it five <laughs> years ago, sold it for too little. Now it's worth this much. Why did I do that? So, yeah, I mean, we have a little bit of banter back and forth. So it's, it's kind of cool. I still try to keep in touch with a few people here and there. If anything Superman related comes up, I'll try to ping you always. Yeah, you have, you have, and I, I really do appreciate that. Um, I think this will do it for us. I, you know, we've been chatting for, uh, you know, for, for uh, an hour and 15 minutes here and I, we've covered yeah. a lot and it's been great to catch up. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that, that we didn't get to? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Bendis as Superman? I actually wanted to check with you on that. What were your thoughts? I haven't read it. <sighs> <laughs> Oh no! Uh, well, let me. Re uh, I read Man of Steel. I read his mini series. Okay. Uh, that kicked everything off, and uh, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I it was funny because I didn't. I thought it was like pretty. I don't want to say standard, but like it wasn't so like out of the box. Like it it didn't feel like oh my god, like Bendis is here. Like it's completely different. Like it right. you know it felt like a like a pretty traditional superhero story, Superman story. Um, I haven't followed it, but I know, you know, I, I know certainly like the major develop, like one, one of the major developments, uh, of the run. Have you read it? No, but I do know that main one about his identity. Right. Well, no, I mean, it's, I think, I mean, you know, yeah. I think this, it's but out I, there. He had an he, interesting take on the identity says because nowadays in social media, having a secret identity means something negative. So it's like, you know, I'm showing the world now, this is who I am so that there's transparency. So I thought it was an interesting way to look at it i haven't read it but i just read, saw that interview so i was like hmm, maybe it is something i own the original page of the first superman one page one ah. so that's literally the only reason <laughs> i have anything that's superman related so yeah it's uh i it's on my list and it will cover it on on digging for kryptonite so I'll, i will get to it but um yeah i uh, i'm curious to read it as far as the mm -hmm. whole revealing the identity I I have uh, yeah I have objections to it, but I'm open minded okay. and I'm willing. You know, if it's a good story and it's well told, uh, and you know, we've not seen because there have been other stories. I mean, most recently in the New Fifty Two, where his identity was exposed, and but it was, you know, it was exposed and it and things got very violent very quickly. Like this was different. You know, like, he made the choice, and right. you know, he approached people like it was it was approached in a different way, and I think that would be. Uh, I think it would be interesting to read. Um, right. You know, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm still, I have specific thoughts on this, on the secret identity. Uh, and so the idea of them, you know, kind of taking that away, like I said, I'm not the biggest fan, but I'm, uh, I will give it a read. I will give it a read, right. but I, I haven't okay. followed it. So I don't really, don't really have much to say beyond that. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let me know how it is. <laughs> I'll follow your lead. I'll right. follow your recommendation. <laughs> uh, well, listen, thanks so much for doing this. You know, I hope you and your wife stay safe, stay healthy. Likewise. And thank you very much. And uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll do a book club podcast episode uh, down the line. I'd be honored. It would be great to to do something with you. And you know, once once we're past this pandemic and we're all vaccinated and we're back out in the world again, hopefully we'll have a yes. big AR gathering. And uh, you know, hope you'll you'll be able to make it. 
Yes, absolutely. Will do. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This has been great. Uh, so thank you again, Phil. Thank you to everyone uh, for listening. We will be back next month with Valentine's Day featuring Drew Cheskin. Oh, great. Val- my, val- awesome. my Valentine. Uh, you know, it's at the end of the last episode, I mentioned that, uh, Doug Desher was going to be the guest for, for new years. Uh, I was initially, I initially had you, uh, earmarked for a later holiday, uh, but scheduling just didn't work out. And then I said, you know what? Like, let's just, I happened to be reaching out to you to, to set up. And I was like, let's just, let's just do this now. And so thank you for stepping in and, and being part no. of this new year's episode. No problem. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, all right. So we will be back, uh, next month with, uh, our Valentine's day installment. <laughs> and until then, don't be a flat squirrel. My comic shop history is a flat squirrel production art by Phil Tastic, Phil Menza music by basic printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to digging for kryptonite, available on most major podcast platforms. Sign up for exclusive content at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato and watch My Comic Shop Country out now on Apple TV and Amazon.